This is Late to the Party, Episode 6. The, the gym coach punching them in the face is actually my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. Hello, and welcome to Late to the Party, Episode 6. This is the Geeks Unleashed monthly book club podcast, where we work through some of what are considered the most essential graphic novels of all time. This month's graphic novel is the acclaimed manga Akira, Volume 1, by Katsuhiro Otomo. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And we're joined by our guest, Mello Brown, today. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mello is a very busy man. Uh, We're so grateful that he could join us for this episode, so thank you so much. Uh, He is a former writer for Stars American Gods, uh, currently writing on Blade Runner Origins for Titan Comics. He has written for an Apple TV series called Calls, um, and I'm sure he's got a few more things up his sleeve that he may or may not be able to talk about. Uh, And his former life before he was a writer, he was also a software engineer, Um, and he has done several... I've, I've read a couple of your articles uh, and uh, listened to some of the podcasts where you talk about cryptocurrency. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Like, uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure. And <laughs> I've, uh, I'm especially happy to be talking about Akira today. Like, yes. this book is amazing. This is, this is the GOAT. This is like <laughs> everything that a comic writer should be looking at before they even pick up a pen. Okay, <laughs> then I can't wait to get to pick your brain about this book then in that case. <laughs> um, so just a quick summary. So Akira was originally serialized beginning in 1982 in Young Magazine. Uh, Akira, now under the uh, Kondasha imprint, is recognized as one of the first complete manga series to be translated into English, credited for being the manga that was first outside of Japan to become a booming success. First picked up and coloured by Marvel, Akira has garnered seven Harvey Awards in its eight-year run. It's a cyberpunk series set in the futuristic neon Tokyo over 20 years after a massive unexplained explosion decimates the city. Uh, the city revolves, sorry, the story revolves around uh, teenage delinquent bikers, revolutionary, revolutionaries, sorry, uh, and activists, shady military government officials, and a mysterious telekinetic being at the center of it all. Um, the full color, uh, sorry, the full run covers a long time period and is spread over six omnibus sized volumes in this uh, episode though we'll only be covering the first collected volume the art is art and writing is by Kotoshiro Tomo and uh, has an impressive resume which includes a variety of manga as well as director and screen credits on Akira Steam Boy uh, and Metropolis to name a few sorry that was a big chunk of writing there to uh, <laughs> go through and uh, rather than sort of recapping the whole book it's a big chunk of book to go through we just thought we'd sort of break it down into sort of themes and characters and, and, and art obviously as well I think obviously the art for me is one of the main key things about this book actually so absolutely um, yeah um, should we actually probably, should probably start with the art to be honest um, I when I heard that it was coloured, I was really keen to see what was out there in terms of colouring, but you can't track down that cut, those coloured books. Uh, they quite seem to be quite rare. In fact, I found um, sort of Reddits and subreddits talking about the coloured ones. I think they're sort of, sort of mythical, mythical books now. <laughs> so, it's only, so it's only the black and white. And actually what I thought was quite weird was that the first five pages are coloured and then, then it is black and white. And then it white. drops you right into yeah. just black and white. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so I thought it was quite weird that they kept sort of five pages of coloured and then they drop it to black and white. So um, for me, though, like the, the attention to detail in, the, in terms of the, the line colouring and um, the shading, the, the massive use of black and white was, was incredible. And the, ra- the range without actually any colouring to, mm-hmm. to sort of differentiate anything in here. I, I loved the sort of the, the, the detail. But one of the things, though, that really I thought was incredible was how fast the book was but that it helped with the writer uh, sorry it helped with the art in terms of making me constantly feel like I was reading like an action film like that's mm-hmm. it's it's because of the the speed of the art as well like and and the sound effects that they put in there like and the and the light the lines to constantly sort of show the motion of things throughout the throughout the book um Mello, have you got any thoughts on sort of the artwork itself yeah, actually, uh, it, it's weird to think of there being a colored version simply because the uh, the black and white is used to such a degree that yeah. it even feels like uh, some of the scenes are bleeding. Like there, the city of Neo Tokyo always looks like it's wounded, mm-hmm. and uh, which it is. It, it it is coming after like that massive explosion, and and you know, like fans of the film know that like it's going to get worse. <laughs> and um, it, it's always on like its last leg and we're seeing people react to that and by having it in black and white almost feels like a context of uh, what the characters are feeling and that's saying a lot more than coming from just like you know every manga it is like this it, it is black and white but this right here uses it to such a degree uh, for the environment that it feels really special and every tiny bit attention to detail was used for that as well, including uh, my favorite thing that it does, uh, as um, you were mentioning before, in regards to action, is the blocking. Mm-hmm. Like the level of uh, attention to the environment and space when the action starts, you know where everything is. Mm-hmm. That's, an, that's an extremely hard thing to do. And like, I, I mean, like you got these, these books are like, the size of an encyclopedia, so you got yes. space. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, like if I don't know where things are, I'm gonna be a little upset. But still, <laughs> there's there's so much blocking in regards to action scenes and knowing exactly where characters are and how these amazing stunts that they're pulling off and the logic to it within the art itself and every little attention to detail, like uh, when someone gets hit. And you see just that tiny little thing in the corner of a gun flying. You know that the plot in this particular action scene has entirely changed that a gun is out of the equation or entering into somebody else's. So, yeah, it's it's excellent. The detailing for me is shocking. I mean, again, it's you lose something without the color. But in this book, you don't feel like you've lost anything. Like, I don't feel like there's any part that's missing there's a, there's a part where they're at the bar and literally just in the background like they're having a conversation and the the bar itself is in the background but within that background scene every bottle is a different size every <laughs> bottle has a different shape label every label has different writing different styles on it and it's like who does that who who bothers to put that much detailing into something that is so insignificant and has no bearing on the story or the plot or what's happening in the scene at all. Um, and this this mm-hmm. entire book is just filled to the brim with 
that kind of really small detailing, like to the point where you can see treads on the tires while the motorcycles are on the streets. You can, I mean, it's, it's insane. Uh, so that the, the artwork in this book was really kind of the driving force that kept me going normally. Well, not normally, but there are plenty of times where I'm reading comics and sometimes I get so engrossed in the story. I forget to look at the panels as I'm reading them and I'm just reading the text. Whereas with this book, it was kind of like, Oh wait, they're talking here. Okay, let me let me read the text bubbles because like the 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 images are pulling me forward with this with the story. Like you said, it's it's the motion, it's the it's the sound effect bubbles, it's it's all of that stuff that really kind of pulls you in to the point where you forget that you're reading something. It, and, uh, oh, sorry, I, I just want uh, really quick. I love that you said that because it, I don't think the I don't I don't know if Akira works without that art. Like uh, no. even looking at the animation for uh, the movie, I don't think it works without that art either. Because when you think about it, the, your main character being Kaneda is a walking fist fight. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And he is always it, like every scene that he's in. It is how quickly is he going to ratchet up the ten? Right. He every scene he's in, he's kicking up shit. Every time he's on the mm-hmm. page, he's fighting with somebody. He's arguing with somebody. Like it's. He's yeah, he's he's that guy. He's that guy that you don't want to see coming down the street because you know you're about to have a problem. <laughs> uh, you know, I was gonna, you know, the tension detail we're talking about. There's like there's a couple of panels in the book that I was there's one where it, it, actually both of them are with in regards to the pills. So there's one little box where honestly the fact that the um the art has I wouldn't even know where to start in terms of counting how many pills, the fact that they that one box. Yes. could have taken over an hour or, <laughs> or two hours just to draw there's something like 100 or 200 pills that are illustrated in this one box and and i was just like who does that who actually thinks you know what i'm gonna go and draw exactly. like 200 pills all in like a little pile and um and this wasn't like computer generated this is somebody painstakingly drew you know every single pill and then and then later on in, in, what i was gonna say about the other thing about the pill you know when um uh tessu takes the pill and opens his mouth and you can actually see every single tooth in his mouth and uh, the level of detail even on the teeth and i was just like this is this is a real incredible line detail here in the, in, the, in this book and um and i think as well like you just said about the this book doesn't really work without this level of art and i think when we've talked about other books like beef and and mouse march although they've all been black and white as well and their art styles mm-hmm. have have suited the context of those books and and, and again, this this black and white, but the style of this um this manga does very much suit the style of the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I think it definitely doesn't work without without this art. And I think uh, one. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm I'm sorry. I was just going to say the uh, the there's something about the detail in which it is actually creating culture as well, um, and it's actually made this book. Uh, this is my first time reading it. Uh, it's actually made this book such a dynamic part of uh, things that I'm even writing right now. Like in Blade Runner, I actually don't like the culture in Blade Runner. And it's because it's lacking all the things that are, are within Akira. Uh, because Blade Runner has a very microscopic focus on the privilege in cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And Akira is <clears throat> the opposite. It's it's about the people who are the results of the ones living well yeah. in, in Blade Runner. And that is like this world where people are using the scraps uh, to get by, but also to just kind of like exist and earn territory and 
just scrape a little bit more every day just to win these tiny little battles chipping away at bigger things yeah and there's even like uh like when you look at the school uh which is like my favorite set uh within (laughs) this entire book uh there's the one guy who's always sitting on the steps at the entrance and there's so much attention to detail paid to just that where there's like someone drew an arrow pointing at him and is like talking shit <laughs> next to the arrow. <laughs> and he's like never done anything about it. He's still sitting in that spot. He may not even notice the arrow. And right. like it's, it's something really like th- this person existed in this space. He existed like Katsuhiro Otomo existed within a rough time mm-hmm. um, to know that like this is how people this is how people would be in this particular area. It's funny that you mentioned the culture because my my question was going to be what defines cyberpunk because and it could just be that my perception is warped because of what i have seen through cyberpunk in hollywood through mm-hmm. through that lens so like in my mind cyberpunk is going to be along the lines of you know your blade runners your cyberpunk uh, 2077 for the fifth element like that kind of stuff is what i think of when i think cyberpunk um so the fact that this book is also defined as cyberpunk made me stop and reevaluate my whole perception of it um so i just kind of wanted to know like like where would you paint the line between say like cyberpunk and dystopian where 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 is the differentiation between those two genres uh always like the like the base level of dystopian is when your characters are in a place where they're just like you know what we may have to eat rats tonight Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like it's uh, within like zombie movies or like uh, aliens invaded us or something like that. And there's like this level of uh, desperation um, that comes from just we may not wake up tomorrow. Uh, so like a dire survivalist kind of thing would define dystopianism. Yes. Okay. But uh, within uh, cyberpunk and even pertaining to this, it's people who are just like there is a better life there is a goal at the top and i could i could figure out a way to hit it and it's always uh, a, a larger conversation about capitalism uh socialism and the government like like kind of policies mixing with corporations to the point where there's a line so blurry you don't know the difference anymore mm-hmm. and uh what what you're seeing in that respects isn't so much dystopian as it is we are all now products and that's kind of where I see like the, the big difference there, where even these kids, these kids are as rough as they are and very much are going to be looked at as adults anytime they're like picked up by the police or anything like that is because they're now products uh, to the point where all they have is each other. We never really see the parents. We, we don't yeah. know what, what they've done or, what they, or where they go home. It's very much uh, like the, the only thing closest I've seen to, to this on screen was like attack the block where even you saw the parents for like a moment in there. Right. Like they, they all got in, like- In passing. Yeah. yeah. But these kids, they're like, we exist in the streets. That mm-hmm. is our mother. Like that is like, that's where like these bikes are appendages of us. Uh, they are identity. Uh, this is our purpose. And we don't know what the future is going to look like. And as of right now, we just have to live in the present because that may not even last that long. It's funny you mentioned uh, like attack the blocks and I was, it's weird it's weird because like, I'm always talking to Jasmine about like British stuff like and I actually haven't watched it but um, 
Oh no. No, I know. I know. I'll put it on my to-do list, but um it but the gang element and like because um I, I did see a comment you put there about um essentially their kids that kind of want to be adults, but they're kind of having to grow up very quickly um because they are obviously in the street, you know, the gangs and you know, living in the street life and stuff like that. And it's really weird because I've been having a lot of this conversation recently because I've got an eleven year old and I live outside the city. Um, obviously, mm. I live in the countryside, and and I've got a best mate who lives in quite a tough area um, in central London. And his kids are he's got he's got a few kids like myself, and the, the differences between them, like we we saw each other last weekend, and you could see the differences. And me and him are having this conversation about growing up in big cities versus growing up in in the countryside, and 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 obviously having to become say streetwise and I, I was saying to jasmine before we started recording about a conversation me and my best mate had a few years ago and about um a film called kid Hood. um have you heard of kid Hood? no i haven't okay so it's it's basically i was in i was in my friend's apartment in, in london and i just said to him i'd heard about kid Hood, and i said like you know what's it about and he just points out the window and he said it's just about out there like and it's basically along the lines of like a you know 15 year olds living on you know streets or gangs and stuff like that and there's there's three of them and you know at the end of kid Hood, one of them goes to prison for, for murder and you know and then the next two are about sort of him about the you know about coming coming out of prison and trying to rebuild his life and and, the, and you know that it kind of made me a little think about that when I was watching, sorry, when I was reading Akira, just thinking about how this book does just focus like on the, on that sort of street gang and they're in the school kind of getting told off and, and really they don't really care. <laughs> like they're getting told off. And and I just thought this is where like you see a real lack of either the, all the lack of the parents or them forming their own sort of family unit. And, um, mm-hmm. and it, and it was and like, you just said though, throughout this book, uh, it was just seeing that and seeing them you know the relationships between them all and having to grow up very quickly what was it well it's not something I guess unique and it but it is something of of that culture of you know street life and um it's obviously sort of sad to see as well that people have to go go through that and sort of the motorbike gangs and the drug dealing and um and sort of maybe the bad choices that a few of them um make throughout the book and it got me thinking as well there's no real sort of hero to speak of in this book but not at you all can't, you can't no no not no. at all uh <laughs> so uh obviously this is the first of six books so maybe maybe somebody will become a hero down the road and, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I i guess that probably brings me on to how i was really disappointed with tetsu getting superpowers and not sticking with his friends that that, that sort of really disappointed me i was kind of hoping that you know, he might side with the, the gang that he was with, but instead obviously takes over another gang, which I didn't really see coming, to be honest. So I was kind of hoping that he was going to stick with his friends and stick it to the man rather than... Like, I <laughs> thought it would have been um, kind of like he he wanted to get out from under uh, Canada, but I thought they kind of would be friendly rivals, not like yeah. murderous, <laughs> destroy the whole city <laughs> rivals. It, it goes back to, you know, these kids are all they have. And for him to have lost someone, but not just to lose you, but I have now lost you to the very people that we're fighting against. Like, that's got to be, that's got to be a real shitty feeling. So I, I mean, we will, we'll probably get to this later, but like, I want to keep going because I want to see what happens between the two of them. Cause they were like 
peas and carrots at the very beginning. And then by the end, man, I was like, there's a whole world apart between them. Absolutely. And like it, but the only mark I actually have against the book is that uh, I feel like I just started on season three of a TV show. <laughs> so you season. missed all of the build up, all of the world building yeah. that goes with it. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there's no backstory at all, which is like, uh, which is, I, I think it's cool. I, I personally have a rule uh, when I write that I don't like to do flashbacks. And uh, thank you. Kind of, oh, thank that was a kid. Thank We've you. had this conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Flashbacks so, yeah. are only appropriate. Rarely, rare, very, very, very rare genres do they apply. I, I, a lot of times, I think flashbacks are just lazy storytelling. I think context is fun. And uh, do, do what do you think then? Because you just said that. Do you think because like I've seen it where a show will have a you know currently it's still, every episode set in the present, but then they might have one whole episode that's a flashback. Mm -hmm. And I think I prefer that sometimes over the like Arrow used it almost <sighs> to the point where it became a crotch to the show like yeah. uh, and it was okay in the beginning but then they just, just yeah it was okay for like the first season because none of us had any idea what happened to oliver but i mean five mm -hmm. seasons later i'm like aren't we are we still on this island Still? Yeah, they like they took him off the island, took him to Hong Kong, and then took him back yeah. to the island. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, like, it was it was to the point of ridiculousness. Yeah, like, but I so there was a, in Prison Break they had in the first season a whole episode that was just a flashback, and I liked that because it was one episode, and then it was kind of nice to see how they got to where they were at the beginning of season one, but. To have it constant in Arrow, it was like, oh, just just enough. Like, and um, yeah. And, so and I 100% I agree uh, that that is not a good way for to do storytelling. Uh, to be like, this person learned this lesson in the past. I'm like, then that actually deteriorates some of what's happening in the present. Yeah. So uh, it, it's very weird. And like it, and I, don't think flashbacks should really go into too much of uh, fiction because you're basically doing exposition dumps uh, by just changing the entire environment uh, yeah. just for a moment uh, to go out of your way and then uh, throwing this in the narrative and then taking it back and being like, now you're informed, now you're emotionally involved, yeah. go for it, kids. And basically, really it's like, now you're in my <laughs> head, so now I can continue doing what I was doing. But yeah, like, that's not like how it should We be. all did the heavy lifting and I dragged you in here with yeah. me. And like, <laughs> but, but the one episode flashback, uh, I think is I think is always really good, especially if the one episode flashback is like dizzying. As long as it's not like um, very gro gross prequel stories, which is like what I'm always trying not to do with Blade Runner, where um, you have like Solo, where it's like uh, your name is Han. What you're by yourself, Solo. <laughs> cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I just like I was in the theater like turned into dust you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I yeah I, I uh, flashbacks yeah I know what you mean about <clears throat> flashbacks and also like picking up this book here before you know we don't get to see how the friendship is really built we kind of mm -hmm. just get to see the friendship kind of fall apart like very quickly once once he obviously starts to get powers and and yeah you know, and obviously I don't know what the next five books will entail. I don't because mm -hmm. it's so fast paced. I would imagine that we're not going to get flashbacks. Like I would imagine, I'd like to think they're going to keep the tone of the next in the next five books. But 
I guess who knows. So, um, so my, my, my next question would be with, we, we talked about how the parents are pretty much non-existent. Why is that such a huge theme with Japanese like literature, art, manga, anime, with, with all of the stuff, like how come these kids are so damn powerful? And you see it everywhere. You see it even in stuff that's geared toward kids like My Hero Academia, 15 year old kids that are learning how to be heroes, but they're fighting real terrible, awful villains at 15 and they're expected to be able to step up to the plate. You've got stuff like uh, Battle Royale where literally you send a whole class of kids to an island to kill each other. And then, you know, last man standing wins. I mean, mm-hmm. where what where does this kind of idea come from and like what why why is it always on the burden of the kids to be the ones to save society uh personally i think there's two different reasons uh one being very corporate the other one being something that's just a part of the culture itself the corporate one is um shonen jump makes so much money <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to the money they're always just depending on boys to uh, buy Shonen Jump, and so there's a lot of boy <laughs> makeup, and like whenever there's like uh, like any woman that shows up, they're treated a lot like the women that we've seen in Akira be treated so far within this volume. Um, but in regards to Japanese culture itself, um, they do consider a lot of uh, who we consider as kids. They're like like 14, 13, things like that. They're just like you're about to enter adulthood. You're at that point where you're like making really stern decisions about like, uh, like even uh, what's funny is that Haikyuu, the the book and series that is about volleyball, I think they display this the best (laughs) in in a lot of ways, because if there is like any kid that is in like the senior level of high school, Mm -hmm. that kid is like, they talk about that kid as if they're they're dead. Yeah, exactly. Like they no longer exist. Like they like it's his senior year. Like I sure do miss Senpai. I'm like, he's like just studying yeah. in the library. Yeah. But, but he's in such a social pressure to figure out who he has to be for the rest of his life. Yeah. At that moment. And what they're actually doing at that time as well is that uh, while they're playing volleyball, they're just like, this is the thing that's going to define you forever, kid. You got to be good at it. And like, they're all, they all have this pressure. And that's very much a part of uh, Japanese society where is very specific about mastering something more than Mm. it is about innovating and trying a whole lot of things. It's about like, no, perfect the thing that you think you want to be good at. And that's it. And so these kids that we see like in Gundam, which is Child Soldiers, the series, Mm -hmm. is is very focused on them becoming adults um, throughout their entire fight and making the decisions that not only matter to them and who they're going to be, but also matter to the world. And that's how it feels for a lot of kids uh, in Japan. I, I was I was gonna say you know that um conversation like about the sort of the teenagers um are the focus around the teenagers and, and their choices and things like that and obviously we just talked about a lot of anime and, and manga but I, I've actually had this conversation a few times like just generally so you, you know you'll get these shows like um and the CW is quite big on them you know things like Gossip Girl and 90210 and historically mm-hmm. in the 90s Beverly Hills um where you have the focus just purely around the teenagers and you get one family where they show their where they show the parents. But other than that, the show is purely focused on these teenagers that want to be adults. And this is the same <laughs> in Akira. Um, and and I've and I've had this conversation because my wife sometimes teases me about how I'll watch like teen teen, teen bob shows, she calls it. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll be like, you know, but I like Gossip Girl. Like, <laughs> so, like, but like but but the reason why I think I prefer these things is because I can get my mind around 
why they make stupid decisions like so mm-hmm. like so when you watch like an adult show where the cast is 95 percent adult and they make stupid decisions like i'm like you know what the fuck <laughs> I think, you know, like you know and it's always the typical it's always the typical like you know boyfriend uh girlfriend situation where a third party kisses one of them they decide not to tell their boyfriend girlfriend until two three episodes later when it comes out and it's all very dramatic and yes i can and get right around that as teenagers because teenagers make stupid decisions and teenage normally shows are a lot more dramatic and and like you know there's a lot of tension and drama and and I'm, i like love all of it when it's teenagers because i can get my mind around as a teenager you're stupid like but as an adult <laughs> as an adult as an adult by now we should have learned like if i go to work for instance, some girl kisses me in the office to tell my wife straight away before i get killed down the road like why didn't you tell me but like, when you watch like these sort of you know adult drama- dramatic shows or when you read about them you know you kind of like you kind of almost start to take away the credibility i i personally feel like because i i start to put myself in the adult shoes thinking I would never, but then I keep thinking, well, it's, it's TV, it's a book, whatever. There's, you know, even as an adult, I guess there's got to be some level of drama. I guess it just frustrates me more watching it as an adult and uh, or reading it as an adult. So I, I just find when I'm reading or watching anything where it's teenagers involved, I get behind a lot more of the drama. And um, that's just me. I, I think you're actually like, so one thing that we get a lot as writers whenever we present any script any like i wrote episode three or something like that we got to turn it into a studio the questions they're always going to ask is like why this story why now why these characters Hmm. and it's a lot easier if it's high school and the funny thing is the exact same rules apply for if you were to tell a story that takes place in a battle royale or if you were to tell a story that takes place in a zombie apocalypse and that is how much tension it is for a kid in high school, because the, even the slightest thing can throw you off uh, to a level of being like, well, uh, hey, mom, we got to move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I got the knockoff jersey that I bought down the street instead of uh, the, the actual name brand shirt. And everyone saw my face. We, I can't live here anymore. And, yeah. and like, and you can actually raise attention that high. And it is as high as just like, well, I ate two canned goods out of the food storage and uh, we have to do a zombie run in order to- Yeah, <laughs> to, to, to replenish more. my midnight food run. Yeah, like, so uh, I'm not going to tell them I ate it, but they're going to be hunting for me. So we got to <laughs> leave, dude. Pack up the kid, you know, like, so, and it's, and like, it, it's real simple where someone will read that and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that kid wouldn't be able to go to school. Yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> and, and so, so I totally agree. Like the the pressures there are entirely different from just like an, an adult living an average life that's supposed to be someone who has all their shit together. Hmm. <laughs> uh, um. Anyway, so it obviously covers a lot of other themes in the book as well. I know the teenage and the gangs as well, and um. But yeah, the cyberpunk thing I felt was quite Im- um, influential. Obviously, this book is from you know sort of oh, I forget what year it was. Sorry, nineteen eighty-two. Like yeah, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about it as well. I years ago, I think it was like early nineties. I read uh, a mini series 
a comic called well there was a couple of them dark vines and neon cyber it was from a comic company that's closed down now called Dreamwave. and when i was reading it it was it was it was literally set like in neon tokyo it was so and i just thought when i was reading the kira i was like wow uh and even the, one of the miniseries was called neon cyber and i and i it just got me thinking about how influential this style of book it has been on later works as well so yeah. you know the fact that I've read other things already and I'm like I can see this in other things that I've read and watched so I don't know like if you guys have got thoughts on that already but I just I know it's I, I know Blade Runner came out rain around the same time as this book so mm-hmm. Blade Runner obviously we know has had a massive influence but this book as well uh, I think has had a huge influence on other people's works um, and the other thing actually when I was reading it how different it was that the manga was reading from left to right i don't know about like, oh yeah they um, flipped it for the american market oh is that what it was for? well okay. for for yeah. the entire market outside of japan they okay. flipped it yeah no. yeah they don't, do they don't normally do that though <laughs> they still don't normally do that i've picked up other manga before and i've had to read from left uh, from right they to only left. do that with ones that are that are this popular okay. uh, all of the other manga that i have on my shelf all reads the japanese way okay yeah. But yeah, what did you guys think about the influences on on sort of current on current culture? People looking back on this, I, I, there's so much uh, being made right now that I wonder how much is influence or if it's a sign of things in time. To, like history tends to repeat itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, a lot of what's being done here around like the the time that this was being made, especially in Japan, where they were having like this economic boom. And, and like, this is definitely a story of like people being left behind and their fears of uh, who they'll be and what they'll have to be going forward and the people who are stronger than them and how, what they'll do to them and how they'll treat them. And uh, <laughs> clearly that is very relevant today. And uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there's like different economic surges going up and down. Um, there's going to be lost generations uh, after this pandemic and things like that. And there's so much in regards to what cyberpunk is about like two main things being like a your identity and who you're going to be going forward and then the other thing which is uh you know like if you were to define everyone's fear in this book and then everyone's fear in the world right now particularly in america what we're going through um every faction has the exact same fear that's a fear of being erased and uh that is such a huge thing in this book and like so that that's why i kind of wonder like a lot of the influences that it has on something else i wonder if it is a sign of things just kind of like repeating and everyone has a different way of expressing that you know what i mean yeah oh that's a that's a deep thought um <laughs> i i i'm sure that this had an influence i i think it's hard to kind of pick specifically especially since I, this is my first read through of it and like you know it came out came out before i was born but like I, i'm sure it had an influence you see you probably see the same influence in stuff like ghost in the shell um mm. and and some of the other uh japanese manga and as far as style goes when i first opened this book the first thing that popped into my head was banana fish which came out mm. in 85 so it came out three years after um three years after Akira came out, but the art style from Banana Fish, they they could be the same characters. I mean, you could literally (laughs) pick up all of the characters from Banana Fish and put them into Akira and they would look like they belong there. I mean, that was wild to me because I mean, they're two completely, completely different authors, but 
I thought that that influence alone, just the style of the artwork from Akira uh, and Banana Fish is is ridiculously, it's really close. Really, really it, close. I, I love that you bring that up because I didn't even think of the connection between the two uh, prior to that, but they are extremely similar stories. Now that I think it's yeah. just like, what if these two just like, we saw them love each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say, though, I, I have not read the manga for Banana Fish, but I watched the anime for Banana Fish. Banana Fish broke me. I mean, that was tragic. Good God. That's the hardest thing that I've watched in a very, very long time. I, <laughs> I love it, though. I would definitely put it within like my top five anime that I've ever seen. But I will never watch Banana Fish again. One time was more than <laughs> enough to get all of those emotions like. <sighs> I am I am set, but it it was fantastic, and and it was completely tragic, and it was also the first time I had seen, not I'm not saying it's the first one, it's the first time I had seen, um, like a Japanese story but set in America, so mm. I thought that aspect of it was was really interesting, um, just to kind of see the two different, I don't know, vibes kind of mesh with an American backdrop was was a little weird, but at the same time like it worked really well, um. But yeah, so I can definitely see, I can see the Akira influence on Banana Fish, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I was thinking as well, like other things in the book we've not really covered is there's quite a lot of mystery as well in the book in terms mm -hmm. of who is Akira. Um, also, these government people who was their agenda, and they're still not really revealed by the end of the book. And, uh, and also, we've got the anti-government sort of terrorist groups as well and even little things like their background between the characters as well like the brother sister thing you know because it doesn't seem I, I didn't really get the impression they really were brother and sister mm -hmm. um but yeah so I just sort of wanted to just maybe jump into some of like the the sort of the mystery as well like I I, I was actually really enjoying the mystery like who is Akira like and this big fear of who Akira is and I know I have seen the movie but like I obviously just was just trying to concentrate on this book and um yeah, so what do you guys think about sort of the mystery and this build up to Akira rocking up? I think why do we call them terrorists though? That's and it's not yeah. it's not just you, but like a lot of the descriptions call uh, people Terrorism, like K yeah. and Ryu terrorists, but like to me they're more resistance fighters, I guess. Like Yeah, they're revolutionaries. I, yeah, yeah, because to me, like a terrorist wants to bring down a society and, and make people miserable, but that's not their goal. Their goal is to stop the government from oppressing its people. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's so, I don't like it. So. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. But like, so that bugs me because I I started reading like a lot of other reviews about Akira and that kind of thing, and so many so many of the reviews just kind of write them off as terrorists, and I'm like, but I don't. They don't come off that way, and yeah, I don't know if that's know, just my my know. bias or like if if people just assume, oh, anyone who is anti-government, you're a terrorist. So uh, I definitely don't think that they're terrorists because they're not a they're not causing terror mm -hmm. and. Uh, be everything that they're planning is more like covert spy missions right rather than uh, and they're like we're going to uh make this company like we want to reveal what they're doing right and we're going to figure it out from there like there there are they are as kind of like the dog chasing the wheel at the moment and mm -hmm. like their ultimate plan like maybe it's just issue one or volume one that we haven't seen uh, which is opposed to uh, who I actually really, really like, uh, the Avalanche group in Final Fantasy VII. It would be like the closest thing I would say is similar, mm -hmm. where they are like, no, we are 
uh, revolutionaries, but we are also terrorists because <laughs> those two things are blurred. And yeah. Like, yeah. And like they're just, uh, they did that moment within the remake. Uh, have either of you played the remake at all? Or? No, I played no, 15. I, I played okay. seven. Uh, well, this is very early, so it's not too bad of a spoiler. It actually is after the first Mako reactor explodes uh, within like the intro. Like, there's a moment where they actually do something that the original game didn't, which is like they see the results. They're seeing the like the city is like in panic, uh, buildings are crushed, people are like dying, and people are running for their lives and grabbing kids and pets and like doing whatever they can. And like the members of Avalanche are just like, oh my god, did we? This is what we did. And Barrett is in a place where he's just like, this is what you signed up for. Like, mm-hmm. this is like, we are still doing stuff to save the earth. I'm not going to say that we're the good guys. Yeah. But we're the ones saving the planet. Like, there's a bigger evil and it's going to cost some shit. Yeah. But yeah. this is legitimately what we're doing. And these group, this group of terrorists are, or like the oh, terrorists, I'm saying that in quotes, um, are not doing that. Like, they're, they're not in a place where it's just like, where like they they don't consider people collateral damage mm-hmm. so i definitely think they're more revolutionaries that definitely sounds a lot like carly morgan though from falcon and winter soldier as well like mm-hmm. i i i that's that's a whole other topic i mean but like <laughs> yeah it's it it bugs me that that there's such there's such a deep cut even though the line like you said is blurry between a revolutionary and like a terrorist but yeah, I hate that 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 that's how they describe this group because it's it's just not what I see when I read this. Now again, this is just the first volume. Maybe maybe they change their tune um, as this book progresses. But yeah, um, I I like them. I liked that at first. You kind of don't know if you trust them. You kind of don't know if you like them. But then as you keep reading, you realize, okay, well maybe I don't trust you yet. But like. I know I like you guys better than I like the military guys. Yeah. So let's just see yeah. how, how this kind of plays out. Um, one, of the, one of the other things that I really liked about this book, this is the first book that we've covered that has been translated. So a part of me is, is wondering how much of this is me enjoying the translator's version of what Otomo was trying to get across or, or if the translator got really close to as close, you know, as close as you can within a translation. So uh, at, like, as I'm reading it, I found the dialogue to be really punchy, really fun. Um, the, the, and it was used really effectively because there's, there's mm-hmm. a surprising amount of humor in this book, but it's just, it's like situational humor. It's not the kind of humor where it's like, oh man, this is the perfect time for like to insert a joke here. It's just like you were saying earlier about the guy sitting on the steps, sitting next to an arrow complaining about him sitting on the steps. Like it's just there. Um, so that was, that was something that as I was reading, and I usually don't do this, but like I would be sitting down and laughing out loud while I'm reading the book because it's just like, why? Like, why is that arrow there? Why is the gym coach so stupid? Why do you hit these kids and then flick your hair like Johnny Bravo? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> the, the gym coach punching them in the face is actually my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah. as they're like all just standing in a line yeah. and then like and like he's like just punching them one in a row you can see the person the next person he 
is about the punch is just calling him a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> like, in yeah. just that. in preparation for it because you know it's coming. Yeah, Are you so <laughs> you know that whole scene reminded me of like uh, from Head of State when Bernie Mac gets off the train and everybody is trying to talk to him when he gets off the train and he just slapping. runs through the train station <laughs> slapping everybody, just slapping the shit out of people. It cracked me up. But that's the thing. Like this is this is a really heavy book. It covers a heavy topic. It talks about some serious stuff, but like the humor that is in here is so on point and it's perfect to kind of break up the the misery so to speak yes it's pulling from characterization like the like I, the, the moment where i like laugh so hard i don't even know if it's supposed to be a comedic moment but like i was like in tears i'm like scared my cat <laughs> and i was laughing so hard <laughs> um uh, it's when they are at the school and the government has come to come pick up uh tetsuo and Kaneda, he walks in on the moment and they like spot him too. And this dude just jumps out the window. Yes. <laughs> it's like a second or third story window and he just flies right out of it. I was like, the hell? He's like, nope, you ain't taking yeah. me. Not today, like, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, because he keeps um, chatting up um, uh, Kai as well, like throughout the throughout the book as well and um i think so i remember in the movie she's like something like oh you're just a skirt chaser as well like i i thought he was probably probably out of everyone well the two of them actually were probably my favorite characters and although like i said earlier there's no real hero but i guess mm-hmm. you could kind of pin the hero badge on canada but he's about the closest you were going to get to it i think in this book but he he does provide a lot of the good humor in this so it does but and it does break up a lot of the sort of serious sort of shit that, that, that goes on and sort of you know serious themes and and to be honest it, it like you made a joke earlier about this being like an encyclopedia when the, when i opened this i was like wow i didn't realize it was that big oh man when uh, i first got uh, this book i was like oh this was a mistake why did you pick this because we when the first book that we did when we first started the series was mouse which not only is extremely heavy because it talks about the Holocaust, but like it has such small text. And so (laughs) it is so dense for it to not be that big of a book that that was my first thought when I saw the size of this thing. I was like, oh my God, this is going to take me like a whole month to read. (laughs) Thankfully though, that was in for a pleasant surprise. It is a very quick read. No matter the, the size of this book is very deceiving because it flies by. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just lingered on art and it still only took me about three hours. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's excellent. Yeah, I think it took me about three hours to read this. And um, I think, to be honest, I enjoyed the three hours. It felt like my constant thought when I was reading it was I feel like I'm reading an action film. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. just this, and I said this right at the very beginning the, the line art really does add to that whole speed, like while you're reading it. Like, and, you know, and I think it's, you know, you can put like I've actually just opened a double page in front of me, 290 and 291, and there's literally two words on the whole page, which is get some, and the rest of it is like <laughs> set, 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 two, two great words, like, and they're, they're all having a massive fight. But like the set, the set, but the, the, the pages use sound effects a lot, and the wording is is quite sparse in some some places as well. And even then, even then, when they're having conversations, it's not, it's not, you know, um. I don't know if you've ever read a Brian Michael Bendis book. It's not like reading one of mm-hmm. his books where there's like mostly where, where, like yeah, where where is the art? Like you know, and, <laughs> so, um, I, I I love Bendis by the way. Other than other than his Superman run, which is, <laughs> it's just it's just, it's just terrible. I think um, everybody has a Bendis book they hate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. 
so um anyway it, it sort of comes to a close which i thought was pretty cool like with the colonel uh, getting tetsuo cornered and calling him number 41 and he's like number 41 and he's like precisely and i was like <laughs> i thought this i thought yeah I, I don't really think you understood he doesn't doesn't want to be number 41 <laughs> like he, it was a it was a question yeah um so but and that colonel guy's got his hand out and everything and like and then i was like oh the end like, yeah oh, like, exactly that oh, last sorry. that last action set piece yeah. like the oh, just the way it's orchestrated uh, yeah. and the way that like otomo was like no 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 i'm not i'm not done going big like, yeah i want to go bigger for no fucking reason there's yeah no, exactly there's one shot where i'm just like we're not done like we're, we're not done in this fight but wait, where uh where it's like Canada and Kay, they're getting away on that uh that little Vesper that she stole. Yeah. And like that like, would ever get you away from anything. Yeah, like that's that's the cue for us writers to be like in scene. And yeah. like we still got Tetsuo who's just like, nope, fight's still going. Yep. Topples a crane. Yeah. And that is like one of my <clears throat> that, that is one of my favorite shots of the whole book. That crane coming down and the, mm-hmm. every piece of detail yes. on that crane as they're still riding out of there and just murdering everyone underneath it as they're like just skating by. Don't know how they survived yeah. <laughs> the crane. You and, know, now that I think about it, how many action films have put a setting, a fight scene, a fight sequence in a dockyard surrounded by containers? Yeah. Oh, this, this book did it in 86 so let me tell you they did it in falcon and winter soldier just recently they had a yeah. whole fight sequence like, three, inside yeah. and on top of containers like how many people do that everybody does that there's yeah. it's, any it's anybody especially if they're damage. yeah exactly <laughs> especially if they're <laughs> near long beach they're gonna have a scene with containers like that's wild. I was just thinking in the in the in that Spider-Man PlayStation 4 game, there's so much of that is like around the docks and containers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But um so we sort of kind of wrap this up. I, I personally really enjoyed this and I'd love to carry on reading reading the uh reading the other five. I'd like to see the the whole story. And from what I understand of the movie, that only covers the first two two sort of three volumes anyway. So we haven't I think the, the movie kind of does wrap up from book up to book six but it misses out big well because the, the movie came out before the, the yeah, volumes finished, were yeah. finished mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so they kind of the the books from what i understand is the books get to the end of the film however mm-hmm. they give you a lot more plot and, and background so I'd, I'd be quite keen to carry on with this you you two would you be keen to carry on reading oh yeah definitely i started yeah, and 100%. i stopped myself from from continuing so now that <laughs> now that we have recorded i am definitely going to keep keep reading this <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually planning to do the same. Uh, like, just the thought of like Otomo taking the first half of Volume One and then the second half of Volume Six and just kind of like merging those together and being like, "That's a movie," and it turned out as good as it is it is a miracle in itself. But the the fact that there's like, I know who the clown gang is, and like who who is only in there for about like three minutes in the movie, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and now I'm like, you know what? I never asked who Akira was. Uh-huh. I've never asked a question as to like who that person is. And probably that person is another bomb in Neo Tokyo somewhere yeah. because everyone has like, unless you've racked up massive collateral damage, you do not exist in Neo Tokyo at any point. And uh, like, I want to know who that is. Uh, it's there's so much because um, yeah, it, 
the fact that like we had that big death at the end of the book um and i was so attached to that character actually <laughs> that like that death wrecked me i was just like no like that that isn't a very important part of the family that's just died and I, I wanna I wanna see where this goes. I have no idea where it's going. And I've seen the movie and that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that really I was bummed at the very end. Uh because I, I, I really thought like and maybe this is just my fault. Like I was hanging on that there there was that small part of Tetsuro left that was like, no, I can't do this. Like these guys are my friends, these guys are my family. <laughs> nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. Fuck y'all, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Yeah. So yeah, I oh, know. I, I want to carry on. Like, so we, we've got me and Jason. I talked about that. I'm definitely gonna carry on with this and uh, want to know what's going on. I just want to want to finish the whole story. It is, and I think it is something that would because because of the size of it. I think I probably could get through one of these a month. No, with everything else, I need to read and watch, and and and, and even having a life like working and family. I think one of these a month is a good. Uh, amount of you know three or four hours a, a, a month for one of these is you know I can spare that time. So yeah, plus uh, it didn't feel like a chore. There there are some no, books no. where there there was definitely parts of as as great as V for Vendetta was. There were definitely parts where I was like, okay, I think oh, yeah. I'm done for the day. Like I need a break. <laughs> I need to, this is a good stopping point. Versus yeah. this book, it was just kind of like, damn, that's it. <laughs> I'm mm. done already. Yeah. So. So yeah, I did this in two sit-ins. I sort of did some yesterday and today. So, nice. um, and I, I I try to read nearer to recording, so it's still fresh in my memory. Unfortunately, I'm getting older, but yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's good to hear that you enjoyed it, and well, cheers for joining us today, Mello. But it'd be um, good to hear as well a little bit about maybe some other things like what, what anything you've got coming up that you can tell us, like and um, and where people can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can definitely find me, uh, well, you can find my work uh, at your local comic book shops or on Comic Mixology or wherever you get your books uh, within Blade Runner Origins. Uh, issue three just recently dropped. Issue four is releasing soon. Uh, we are completely changing the way you will look at Blade Runner from here on, especially because, you know, I still think Blade Runners are slave catchers. Um the uh, you can always see calls on Apple TV Plus, and uh, I got some surprises coming up for everyone very very soon. Especially if you like uh, anime and video games, and you can find me at uh, Twitter uh, at Mellow Marketer. Oh man, you're speaking my language. Anime and video <laughs> games. Hold on now. Um. <laughs> Are you playing any video games at the moment? Uh, I was literally just playing Near Replicant. And uh, <laughs> just so that way it could get my feelings. I'm watching uh, <laughs> people in lingerie deal with grief so, <laughs> while they're fighting robots and uh, ghost uh, digital entities. So, it, yeah, that's where I'm co- at right now. What's it called, Neo? Uh, near Replicate. Oh, it's Near a, Replicate. Mm, it's a remake of the old game before Near Automata came out where it was, uh, you know, like lingerie robots uh, dealing yeah. with their existence. And like, I never thought somebody dressed like a body pillow could make me feel so much. So. <laughs> are you watching any any anime right now, or reading any other manga? Um, there are three. Like, anime is way too good right now. It's disgusting. I know it's sickening, right? Like, it, it's, it's just it's a, like it's a buffet. It, it's it's almost <laughs> bothering because everything's a masterpiece at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> like, I am currently watching. That's currently airing Odd Taxi 
which I think is like uh, the most brilliant thing to come out in a while. Oh, wow. Like, I have that on my watch list. I haven't watched it yet, though. Like, I've watched, uh, there only aired three episodes, and I've watched them three times. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, uh, Wonder Egg Priority, I think, is also a, like, I genuinely think that it is going to go down in history as a masterpiece, and people are going to be like, uh, probably stealing from it the same way that everyone keeps stealing from perfect blue to make stuff like black swan <laughs> and uh uh vivi is i i think it's excellent but i have to avoid it because i'm writing blade runner it <laughs> 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 did something in there that we're gonna do and i'm like i don't want to see you anymore yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so yeah. we gotta keep we gotta keep them separate yeah 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 that must be frustrating actually like for a writer in general just like having a really good idea and then sitting down, even just must happen so randomly sometimes, putting the TV on and going, oh, no. It's that like, that, that, that actually happened with, uh, what was it, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier recently, where they're, uh, because since I'm telling the story of how the first Blade Runner came to be, uh, yeah. that actually was a huge issue in regards to, they basically did three character beats that were very similar um, to what we're doing for Sam's transformation into uh well it'll be revealed hopefully by the time people hear this but sam's transformation yeah. to captain america mm-hmm. and um in the, in the process of that i like saw it on tv and i'm like oh you know what that's terrible <laughs> and, and i don't want to go into details as to uh what i was just like i'm not a big fan of what happened in one respect but yeah. it made me look at that and look at um our character cal moreau and be like, no, that's you, you could be making better decisions than what Sam just said. So yeah. it, it it's awful and good at the same time, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a it's a delicate balance. Yes. It's it's just, hard rewriting. <laughs> you just you just um before we sort of bring it to an end, you just recommend an anime. Is there any comics that you're reading at the moment that you're enjoying that, that's not your own? Um at the moment, I am I am just now catching up with Immortal Hulk. Oh, I hear a lot of good things about that. I haven't read it myself. It is, uh, it is excellent. It, 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 I will just only say things everybody else has said at this point. Like Immortal Hawk is its own franchise now, right? And yeah. then uh, the other thing that I've been uh, that I just picked up uh, yesterday was the book Die, uh, which is oh yeah by Kieran yeah. Gillian. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know anything about it. I'm just super excited. So. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. I haven't read that one either, but it, I've heard lots of people talking very, very highly of it. it it's one of those things where uh, when you work in an industry, uh, you always know about the properties that they really want to make into uh, film or television. Mm-hmm. And Die is one of those ones where everyone's just like, why didn't we make this already? Why are we not making this right now? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I kind of want to check this out. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited just to look at it. Cool. cool. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you for and me. our next book club episode is going to be we're taking a look at the graphic novel memoir of actor and activist George Takei. It is called They Called Us Enemy. It's a New York Times bestselling book about Takei's experience um, in U.S. sanctioned concentration camps where Japanese Americans were put into during World War II. That episode is going to be out at the end of May. You can also follow us on social media. We're Geeks Unleashed on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Podbean. We are everywhere. So give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Bye.